Hello, and welcome to Guy Perryman Interviews. Our travel companion today is Chisara Agor, singer, songwriter, actor, dancer, and designer who was in Japan to perform at the British Embassy Tokyo reception celebrating King Charles's coronation and birthday, a party fit for a king. The conversation took place in a courtyard cafe on the streets of Harajuku, Tokyo in June 2023, and was first broadcast across Japan on my Inter-FM radio show. Enjoy the journey. It is wonderful to welcome on board Chisara Agor. Hello. Hello. Lovely to see you. Nice to see you. You're literally about to get on an aeroplane, so I've caught you very quickly before you go. Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I met you very briefly last night at the British Embassy here in Tokyo. You performed at a reception. How did that happen? Why are you here in Japan? Well, the embassy... Well, let me start from the beginning, so <laughs> it's easier that way. Um, I was on tour with Issa's Afro-Synth Band. I'm a singer and performer in the band. And we were in Bali and Australia. And so I got in touch with a friend, Nick Luscombe, who runs Music City. And I said to him that I'm going to be in the area and I'm thinking of coming to Japan. And he came back with this offer of a gig at the British Embassy. He got in touch with them and sent them my stuff and they really liked it. How was the reception last night? You, you performed, what, about three pieces, I think? Yeah, three pieces. Why and how did you choose what you did perform for us? And you had an ukulele with you. I had an ukulele, <laughs> yep. I had a very small ukulele, but yeah. it was very nice. <laughs> I had some songs set, but when I was walking towards the stage, I actually changed my mind and decided oh. to do something a bit different and start with an acapella and that King Cole song, which I usually do sometimes, oh. just to kind of get people on board and kind of get people involved in the music. Yeah, I thought it went really well. I'm a DJ and I often DJ for these sorts of receptions and you often feel like it's a quite thankless job because most people are just jibber-jabbering and talking and they kind of ignore the, the entertainment. But I think you engaged with a, quite a lot of people last night. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think there was a core group that were definitely engaged and obviously in that space it's quite hard to know what's going on if you're at the back. You're not necessarily aware that there's someone singing their heart True. out on their stage. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't too upset about it but um, I love that there were, yeah, good group of people who were listening and, and smiling. First time to Japan? First time to Japan. What have you enjoyed while you've been here? Oh, I think I've enjoyed the vastness of a place. I mean, I've been in Tokyo and I went to Kyoto and obviously there's two places in a very big country, but I really enjoyed the difference and the, and the history and a lot of people's hospitality that I, you know, it's unexpected. Yeah, I've really enjoyed just hanging out and feeling part of another place for a bit. Going to countries like Japan... Bali, Indonesia, Australia. Do you get inspired on the road? Do you, do you see things or hear things that will go into your music and your art? Yes, definitely. I also really, whenever I arrive at a place, I'm also really interested in, in I guess, the spirituality or the cosmology of a place and the kind of belief systems and traditions surrounding them. And obviously when you're on tour, it's quite hard to kind of... There was a book in um, one of the hotels in Bali that was about folk traditions and spirituality and I never got to open it because we were in and out rehearsing out and then you know but now I have that in my mind I can go when I get home I can go and kind of reflect on that, my time there but definitely I'm um, looking for and just absorbing things around me you don't just write and perform music you're also an actor you do all sorts of things <laughs> what, what, tell us what what do you do well I normally just say I'm an interdisciplinary artist oh. which means I do a lot of things <laughs> so I play music I write music I'm a dancer and choreographer I make my own clothes, so I kind of start oh, wow. making costumes for some of the pieces I've, I've projects I've worked on, acting and writing, 
all sorts. It's more about what's needed for the project and the kind of vessel, what I feel will work well and, and finding those connections between practices to make something great and whatever work to, to reflect the theme and what I'm working on. How did it all start for you? Do you come from a, a creative, artistic, musical family? I mean, my parents are very creative. They really encouraged my interest in the arts. And, my, and it wasn't really... It was playfulness. It was like child playfulness <laughs> and imagination. I really loved playing and I really loved music. Um, and at school, I learned to play the flute because they were offering out classes. I was like, I'll do that. Steel pan band, choir. <laughs> oh, cool. There was a local theatre that I joined and that kind of then... I was just inspired by the acting and the singing and yeah I was just in love with all things making <laughs> making all these things and being creative do you want to say different things through the different art forms say for example what you write musically would that be different for how would you choreograph something for example how you're communicating to an audience are there are there all different stories or ways to communicate I think they are different ways to communicate but I like to think kind of as if each project or practice as a satellite and when you zoom out you can see the underlining links between each thing and there are themes that kind of are undercurrents within each each practice but I love the fact that each practice and way of presenting things can connect people in different ways so some people I remember I did um I had a show in April and I asked the audience afterwards some people were like well I could listen to this as an album but I could also see it as a as a dance show or I could see it as a as a film and so that's great because it means different people can engage with the same themes and same projects in different ways but also it means that can share more with so many people yeah you live in London is it a good place to be for a creative person it is a great place to be for a creative person and also a not so great place to be a great person. You need some money, right? Yes, exactly. It's expensive, but it's so... It's full of people who are trying to make their dreams come true, I suppose. And you can make friends and you can find people with common interests and you can collaborate because you're in a city and you can get the tube and find someone else and meet up in a park. And there was a lot of opportunity there, for sure. And there are programmes and work and... Yes, it's a great place to be, um, and it, but it shouldn't be the only place to be. It shouldn't be a place you have to be. To be right. I don't. Or the rest of the UK or anywhere else in the world that you'd love to be creative. Ooh. I lived in Madrid for a while. I was yeah. studying and I loved being there. I'd love to explore more places in Europe and anywhere in the world. I mean, Japan, I'll come back here. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's borderless. I just, I just really, that really, after COVID, I think now I'm remembering, it's like a latent memory of, yes, everything is, it should be borderless. It's, it's more than just your city. And it's definitely more than London. Um, and I hope that that continues. I can continue with that. I think one good thing about the UK uh, for art and for creative people, there are grants, there are awards, and you've actually been the recipient of a few good things too. Tell us about the one you got this year. So I was awarded the George Butterworth Award for Composers um, as part of Sound and Music's programme. They ask all participants from their various programmes of the year to submit a piece of music, and I submitted Movement One from Nocturnal Sun called Dust, and it won the award. And... I was over the moon. <laughs> Bravo. Can we uh, get to see that anywhere? Is it, has it been filmed or is it recorded anywhere? You can see and listen to the first movement in its first iteration in, at Snake Maltings online on YouTube. Okay. Um, if you search my name and Nocturnal Sun, there's like a short video and the music from that, from the R&D. I always speak with people about the power of music 
and the arts and how we need all of this to get us through life. Do you turn to music? Have you turned to music or any particular art to get you through tough times in life? I mean, definitely. I think all at once, the arts, you know, it's not only a process of making, it's a process of, I guess, catharsis and philosophy for me and regulating and understanding my emotions and how I feel about things and questions I have. That is my process. <laughs> yeah. Please keep making more because you do what I can't do, making music. So that's brilliant. So how do you feel when you've finished something, like either finished writing a song or finished performing or finished choreographing something or finished making a piece of clothing? I guess it's a great satisfying feeling. Yeah, I actually feel like different practices have different feelings of... Uh, oh, wow. I don't know, I've noticed with sewing, for example... I feel it's like a puzzle I'm trying to figure out. And when it's done, it's very satisfying because you have a physical thing that functions in a way. So it's a very practical situation. You're like This is a bag now, but it functions and, it's, and it works and there's craftsmanship in there and I can see it. Um, and its life can go on for a long time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's something yeah. about that that yeah. really is addictive for me. I'm sewing at 5am in the morning <laughs> trying to finish things. I love it. Um, <laughs> But music, performance, oh, I feel like I've given, I've chucked my heart on the ground and I feel knackered, but <laughs> elated, but like I've just, yeah, outpour of energy. I think live performance, because I make live radio, and once it's gone, it's gone. It's in the ether and gone forever. And you, you sort of, I, I sometimes feel all that work. It's all just <laughs> gone. And I wonder if live performances feel the same way some way. Yes, definitely, definitely. I'm trying to learn and remind myself that it's not really gone. <laughs> but it definitely feels like it's out there. Um, but it's still living and it's still, it's still there somewhere. Now, I know you're about to jump on an aeroplane, so literally you have a passport, credit card and your mobile device. But what's one thing you must have with you when you're on the road? Oh, God, that's a great question. Oh, my notebook. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Do you always make notes? Yeah, I always, I bought two this time. I didn't need two, but I had, well, it was one small one and one big one. So actually it did kind of need two because one small one could fit in your little bag and a big one could fit in your rucksack. So you're actually writing notes on, on paper? Yeah, on paper I'm writing and drawing and colouring and I bring my like colours and like watercolours. Yeah. Cool. Is that what you're going to do on the aeroplane back to the UK? <laughs> probably or read or sleep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably need that too. And final question, on your journey, you can sit down with anyone and have a conversation from history or someone alive today. Who would you love to have a chat with? Because of literally last week or so that's been in my mind it would be can i can i choose maybe two yes. that's been in yes. my mind jeff buckley and oh. james baldwin oh. those two people right? together yeah maybe together that'd be interesting <laughs> yeah yeah those are two people that have been circulating in my mind in the past week what would you like to chat with them about oh motorbikes <laughs> motorbikes oh art music philosophy and just like the world I guess, just have a conversation and hear about their experience. Yeah. Actually, I wonder when you read someone else's work, when you read someone else's lyrics, when you listen to someone else's music, is it inspiring or is it distracting sometimes? To, does it sort of make you veer off your own course sometimes? It does depend. When I first started writing music, it was very much like, oh, I want to write like this or da 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 or this artist. Or, and now I find myself more assured about what it is I do and what how I make things and what my music is and so I don't get too distracted 
too much. <laughs> um, I tend not to listen to too much of everything all the time. I've noticed now more than before I need more silence actually because the constant making and the constant sharing and the phones and media and everything, everything's very noisy. And now I'm like, actually, I need some silence so I can let things come to me um, and what I've, ex- I've experienced. So, yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear more in the future. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's been a bit noisy here. Thanks so much for joining me on the streets of Tokyo for this conversation. Chisara Agor, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much, Gary. <laughs> And thank you for joining us today. For more interviews and information, please go to guyperryman.com.